appreciate it, man. Well, it is so special to be with you today. Thank you for having me. It is good to be amongst friends, grateful for Brent and Nicole, their friendship, their encouragement. I've been here before. Some of you would recognize me. It wasn't long since I was here last, but today I'm here with a special guest. He's not in the service with me, but my son Hudson, who's nine years old, is in your amazing kids' ministry right now. And I just have to say from the bottom of my heart, the experience of seeing my son invested in from your church is hard to put into words. And every Sunday, I know how it feels. You go into church, you do the thing, and you go. And many of you are serving and investing. And just from someone who's a recipient today, my child hearing about the word of God, being loved on well by your leaders, thank you so much for the kind of church you are a part of and the kind of people you are. Um, A number of years ago, my grandpa would... So that's my mom's side. He passed away. And he was a really good friend of mine because I grew up through high school, middle school with him in the basement suite with my grandma, Kath. And uh, I would go after school almost every day and chat with grandpa. He was one of my best friends. And uh, it was around Christmas time, actually. It would have been around this time of year, maybe a few weeks later in the year from now. And uh, I was visiting him. At this point in time, I'm married, and so I'm visiting Grandpa in that very familiar spot of his basement suite. And I'm talking to Grandpa, and then he kind of walks away, okay? And he goes into the closet, and he grabs something, and he comes out with a black Bible. It's not this one, but it looks just like this. And he comes out with a black Bible, and he says, Jason, when I die, I want you to have this Bible. And uh, I put out my hand to receive, and he's like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and um, I love that. That's like, that is my grandpa in a nutshell. Just, do, just like right side by side, this really, really kind of like emotive moment, and then also just to do something snarky like that. And uh, it was only a few months later that he would pass away. And uh, I received his Bible, and I opened it, and it was covered in ink. Almost every single page had a little, like, separate piece of paper where he had written some notes and stuck it in. And here's what was clear. My grandpa had spent the better part of that last season of life abiding in the Word. I mean, he was stuck in it. It was precious to him. It was important to him. It was a part of his daily life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Very simply, I want to talk about the daily practice of meeting with Jesus through reading the Bible. I want to talk about the daily habit. We've got so many habits, don't we? Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are conscious. Some of them are unconscious habits. We do things all the time, daily. We brush our teeth daily, hopefully. Wash our face. Kiss our spouse. Fry an egg. Check the news. Go to work. Scroll some apps. Exercise. And for followers of Jesus, daily time in Scripture is an essential habit. And it's essential because it's essential for a relationship with God. Now, we're in a series called Jesus the Disciple Maker. This is what Jesus is in the business of doing, isn't he? Making disciples and inviting us to make disciples. And so we can't be a disciple ourselves, and we can't make a disciple of others without the word. I want to just show you a really simple verse It's the words of Jesus in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And I think we have it on the screen here, and I just want to look at it really closely and simply. It says this. It says, So Jesus said to those who had believed in him, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's just hold this up there for a bit. Jesus says to those who believed in him, followers of Jesus, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We're going to keep that up for a second. I just want to look at a few words on there. The first, the word disciple. Now, this might be recap, but we know what this word means. Disciple means learner or student. Disciple just means learner or student. But don't think classroom. Like, if you think disciple and you think learner or student, but you go to the classroom, you've missed the point. It's more on like a life in life. It's more like apprenticeship learning. It's that life on life learning. So for the first disciples of Jesus, they did life with him. They walked with him for years, following him, eating with him, seeing how he treated others, doing ministry alongside him. So being a disciple meant 24-7 life on life with Jesus, learning from him, hearing his commandments, obeying them, becoming more and more like him. It's deeply relational, and it's deeply transformational. And this is the invitation for you and I today. Whether you're here and you would say you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you're here and you're like, I wouldn't call myself a Christian. I wouldn't typically connect in church or an environment like that. Every one of us is invited to decide today and each day that follows, will I be a disciple of Jesus today? That is to learn from him, to be a student of him. And he says this though, check it out. He says to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. What does that mean to abide in his word? You know, not too long later from here in the same book of the Bible, Jesus will speak a lot about abiding in him. Abide in me. Abide in me. What does the word abide mean? It means to remain, to stay. To abide isn't like a passive word. It's like you can sit on that chair and remain in the chair, but it's different if you hold it on tight to that chair. That's abiding. Do you get what I mean? Like here's a picture of abiding that I just is warm to my heart. We had the opportunity in Vancouver this last year with, to go uh, like up the mountain with our kids. And there's all these mountains near Vancouver where I live. And they do these chairlifts, right? I don't know if you've been on one before. They're kind of scary, especially when you've got kids. And the sweetest thing, my daughter Mary, we've got, we get on the chairlift and you're about, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet above the ground. And the bar is in front of you. But I put my arm around her, which I love doing. She's seven years old. And she tucked in so tight. So even if I were to have moved my arm off, she wasn't letting go. That's abide. And that's the posture of a disciple to their heavenly father, to Jesus. It's that like, I'm not letting go. I'm leaning in. And it can be difficult to do that in our day-to-day life, can't it? But it's the invitation to abide, to lean in. But here Jesus says, don't just lean into me. Lean into my word. Not passive. Lean in. Hold on to it. Stand firm in the word. And that's what I want to talk about today. And just in two parts, very simply. First, I just want to unpack what happens to us when we abide in God's word. I think sometimes we miss the impact it can have in our life. So first, I just want to talk quickly what happens to us. And then second, I want to equip you to abide in God's word every day. Does that sound like a plan? Are you guys doing okay? Have I told you already how glad I am to be here? Okay, so what happens to us when we abide in God's word? 
This is a dangerous thing as a speaker to say because this could be a long list. So I'll save you the long list. I started making a list this week of all the things that happen inside of us when we abide daily in God's word. And I just picked three that stood out. I could have done a dozen, two dozen, a hundred, but I'm just picking three. Is that okay for the sake of time? Three things that happen to us when we abide in God's word. First, when we abide in God's word, we make an exchange. Like a trade happens. A very important trade. A trade that needs to happen daily. And here's the trade. You get to take lies and bring back truth. When we abide in God's word, we get to make an exchange. Back to that text, John 8, 32. If you abide in my word, you're truly my apprentices. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What will the truth set you free from? What do we need to be set free from? Lies. Lies. The tragedy of lies is that we live under them unaware and they negatively impact our lives. We have lies about ourselves, about the world, about God. What about lies about ourselves? Are we loved? Are we valuable? Who am I? About the world. Where do we find meaning and purpose? How do I find community that changes me, where I can belong? And where did all of this come from? There are many answers to those questions, aren't there? And when you live under lies, it impacts your whole life. Lies about God, the questions like, is God real? Is he present? Can I know him and what he's like? And every day we're invited to establish truth to the most important questions in our lives. There's an exchange that takes place when we abide in the word. And we live in an age that's longing for truth. Are you tired of hearing about disinformation and fake news? It's exhausting. The thing is, it's not a new issue. Those are just new terms. We've always been in a world where there's a war against truth and lies. And the Bible is the well of truth. Now, I'm saying something really countercultural right now, though. Because for me to say this is the truth, it means I'm placing the word here. Like, it is the highest authority, not this. Let me be really, really clear. Follow me for a second. There are many different sources of knowledge. Many different sources of knowledge. For example, tradition is a great source of knowledge. We have people have gone before us that give us wisdom. Tradition is a great source of knowledge. Experience. Our experience, we learn from our experiences. I think about like logic and science, how grateful we are for the knowledge that comes. And we celebrate all of that. We celebrate that. But when it comes to matters of faith and life and morality, followers of Jesus... The scripture is meant to be the highest authority. So when it comes to matters of faith and life and morality, for followers of Jesus, scripture is meant to be the highest authority. As God's own revelation, it's our supreme court. Like it is the highest order when it comes to making judgments about the nature of God and how life works best. There are lots of places you can go to find out lots of things, but when it comes to the nature of God and how to live in his world, this is is the highest authority. And this is a strong contrast with a common narrative that truth is found within. 
that if we just look in ourselves. Now, here's the truth. That whole idea of looking within and standing in your truth is very new, it's very Western, and it's deeply flawed. The scripture has spoken to, in contrast, this scripture has spoken to and changed the hearts of billions of people from every ethnicity, in every demographic, in every socioeconomic status, and through every century. The word of God unlocks the hearts of kings and peasants, the rich and the poor, the powerful and the powerless. And because the teaching of Jesus continue to be the key that unlocks something deep in every human heart, we cling to it as our highest authority. And so every day we have an invitation to make an exchange. Truth for the lies we hear. That's what happens when we abide in the word. Can I do another one? Okay, when we abide in the word, something else happens. We enter the story of God. Now, I was concerned when I decided to share this, that this could be the most potent and important one, potentially, but easiest missed. So track with me for a little bit. It might just be a seed that needs to bloom over the next couple years in your life. When we enter this story, something transformational happens. And it's important that we know this about the Bible. We have this uh, book called the Jesus Storybook Bible that me and my kids use. It's amazing. I highly recommend. It's for kids, but it's also for adults. You know, when, you know when you're like reading to your kids, you're like, oh man, why am I so emotional right now? Listen to what it says in the introduction to the Bible. It says this, the Bible is most of all a story. This is the author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far off country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about the story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all of the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. When you open the Bible, you will find yourself in one of 66 different books, written over 1,500 years, written in three different languages, multiple different people have penned them by the grace of God. But all of those books, different genres, different time periods, different original language, tell one cohesive story. And it is a story where Jesus is the rescuer and he is the climax of the story. And as a side note, One of the reasons that often we have difficulties with particular parts of scripture is because we don't understand where it fits in the whole story. So one of the tasks of every disciple is to understand the whole story of God and then to understand when I'm reading a particular passage of scripture, where does it fit in the story of God? For example, if you're in the Old Testament, it's talking about the sacrificial system. It's talking about you must make sacrifices like this. You ask the question, I know we don't do that today in church, but why not? It's because where we are in the story. When that was written, they were in the part of the story before Jesus came and satisfied the demands of a sacrificial system. But we live on the other side of Jesus coming, paying for our sins through his life, death, and resurrection. And so we don't have to bring a sacrifice because he was the final sacrifice once and for all. So it doesn't make it untrue. You just need to understand where you're at in the story. Does that make sense? I know that's just a little bit of a primer, but it's a story. It's one cohesive story, and it points to Jesus. And here's the thing about the story. The story begins in creation. 
So when you look around this world, when we live in the story of God, it changes the way we see the world. The story begins in creation. A good God made a good world and made men and women in his image. And so when we wake up in the morning, it feels like everything's going sideways. We gotta enter the story. Where did this all begin? There's something good in front of me. There's There's beauty all around me. There's beauty in the people I see. The story starts in creation. God creates. And the next movement of the story is rebellion. We sin. And that's why we see so much brokenness all around us. And that's why we need a savior from outside of us to deliver us. That's why the answer for the pain we see all around us isn't ultimately going to be found inside of us. But the next movement of the story is rescue. Creation. Fall. Then rescue. God sent a rescuer in Jesus. He is the hero of the story, God himself in human history. But the story doesn't end there. Where does the story end? What is the last page of the book of the Bible? That that rescuer is coming again. And what does John on the island of Patmos, recorded in Revelation 21, see? He sees a vision of a new reality, a promised future. He says before him he sees a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what? There are no tears No dying, no pain, no injustice, no more chaos. And you know what? God is with his people. That is the story of scripture. And that's the story of the whole universe. And that's the story we live in. And so every day we can have hope in the midst of pain because we know redemption's coming. Every day we can experience beauty even in the midst of sorrow because we live in a God-made world. And, and we feel hopeless. We know that God has not given up on us. He's entered into this reality and he will finish what he starts. That's a true story. And the story you live in is the story you live out. So every day we've got to enter the story. What do you do when you approach scripture? You exchange some truths for lies. And you sit into the story. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I'm reading past the scripture and I find myself going, what is edifying from this? At very least, it can pull you back into the story. Can I do one more? And then we got to get practical, give you some tips and stuff like that. One more thing that happens when we abide in the word daily. We encounter Jesus. It's the most important thing. It's the main thing. One time Jesus is talking to some religious leaders and he says this to them in John chapter five. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you'll have eternal life. And he goes, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. There's two things going on here that I want you to hear. First, the scriptures point to Jesus. He's saying all of the law Everything you're reading, it's pointing to me and I'm right in front of you. And what that means is it's possible to be reading all about these things and miss what it's pointing to. The point of all this is to point us to Jesus, but it's deeper than that. And it's a little more mysterious than that. Because not only does scripture point us to Jesus, it's one of the primary places where we encounter him. They don't just point us and then we go off from scriptures to meet with Jesus. It's actually the forum by which he loves to meet with his people. 
And that's why in John chapter 8, he says, abide in my word. In John chapter 15, he says, abide in me. Because for him, it's like, you can't separate the two. I'm not saying that I only commune with Jesus when I have my Bible open. I'm communing with him all the time. There's time of prayer. I commune with him in worship with you. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying, this is the primary place. Or let me put it in new words. When we open the Bible, we are going to meet with Jesus. This is how um, E. Stanley Jones puts it. He says, every day I go to these words, the Bible, and I ask them, have you seen him whom my soul loves? And the words take me by the hand and lead me beyond the words to him who is the word. I cannot imagine trying to follow Jesus without abiding in his words. We need to live in the word so that we can see the whole world around us through a relationship with Jesus. And this is a really important principle. As we read scripture, you will find yourself in places where you feel out of your depths. I do all the time. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing. How is this pointing me to Jesus? What does this reveal to me about God? That's the main task. And you know how in the text that we started with in John chapter 8, Jesus says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free? Do you know what Jesus also says in the book of John? I am the truth. And this might be the most important thing if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus, that you hear about the Christian message today. That Christianity is not a set of intellectual ideas that you ascend to, although it is full of ideas worth following. It's first and foremost a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus Christ. He says, I am the truth. In Jesus, we discover that truth is not just a set of ideas, but a person we can know intimately. And that's why when we begin reading scriptures, it makes sense to pray, Jesus, here I am. I'm here to meet with you. Would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, help me meet with you. There's no specific formula for how you pray, but I think it's a good principle that every time you open scripture, whether you're reading a little bit or a lot, here I am, Lord. I'm here to meet with you. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see you. So something happens when we abide in scriptures. It's not all at once. It's slowly but surely, a little bit at a time, we exchange truth for lies. We enter the story, and we encounter Jesus. That's why it's a daily habit. That's why it has to find itself in our daily rhythm. Let me get really practical with the rest of our time. I want to equip you. So what do we do when we open God's word? I want to just give you four words. We're not going to spend a ton of time on each one. But four words that we, things we do. These are like, these are active activities we do when we open the scripture. We meditate. We study. We memorize, and we pray. We meditate, we study, we memorize, and we pray. These are things we do in and with the scripture. First, we meditate. In Psalm chapter one, uh, I love this language. It says, blessed is the one who meditates on God's word day and night. The purpose of scripture is not just to get through it. That's what I used to do. I used to be like, I want to read my whole Bible real fast. And um, 
I'm just trying to move through it really fast because that's how I read other books. That's how I learned to read books at school, right? You get an assignment, you have to read 30 pages by. So when you sit to read, what's the goal? Finish the pages. Or if you're reading a story, you go at the pace that the story sets for you. But this is different. This is meditation literature. This word for meditate, it actually draws on the idea of like a cow chewing. (laughs) This is so funny. A cow chewing on grass. Have you ever seen that before? They just chew and they just chew forever. It's like so slow. That's the word for meditate. That's the idea. That we take the words, we just chew on them. Slow right down. Just chew. There's not a rush. The Bible is too nuanced and thoughtful to rush through it. We need it to be. The Bible's not like pithy quotes. The Bible deals with joy and pain, goodness and darkness, hope and despair. And because it deals with all of these dynamics and more, it's not just like a, a quick line you just say in passing. You chew on it. So slow down. The goal when we read scripture this week, it's not quantity. It's to encounter God. Slow right down. And I just want to say this. I've uh, heard talks like this before. I heard the pastor talk about encountering Jesus in the text and exchanging truth for lies. And I woke up the next day to read the Bible and I just expected this is going to be amazing. This is going to feel amazing. And I cracked my Bible open and, and it just feels very normal. Like I just feel very like, and I just want you to know that that is normal. That most days when I open scripture, I find it to be very normal. It's a discipline. It's a decision. Every once in a while, there's tears. Every once in a while, there's deep conviction. Every once in a while, there's like an explosion of revelation. But most days, it's faithfully showing up. But have you ever noticed the best of friends in your life, the people you talk to or see every day? Each time you hang out, it's not like fireworks. But if you took them away from your life, you wouldn't need to put words to the impact it made. Or if you say, how do you describe the impact that friend has in your life? Like, I can't, it's changed everything. That's our friendship with scripture. Sometimes it's like, most days it's just the faithful friend that builds into your life. And so my encouragement for you, if you want to begin reading scripture, meditating on it, that's our first word, meditate, is just start. For some of you, today has a simple message. It's start again, tomorrow, today, slowly, a little bit. If you don't know where to start, start in Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, or Genesis, the beginning of the Old Testament great places to start. You can start just about anywhere, but I think those are great places to start. Start again. There's no hurry. There's no rush. So the first thing we do is we meditate. Second, we study. You guys study scripture. Have you ever been like, maybe you've never read scripture before, but you'll find this happens. You'll be like hearing about like a story about Jesus. And all of a sudden these people around Jesus, religious leaders, Jesus like does something on a Sabbath, like heals someone. And they're like explosive mad. And you're like, why are they so mad? It's okay if you don't know why they're so mad. We need help. I needed help because what's going on there is something cultural. Like what's happening in that moment is something going on that we wouldn't understand intuitively in the year 2022 in Canada. And so there's companions that we can study that help us understand scripture. Things like commentaries and study Bibles. And studying is an important part of reading scripture, and it can be a spiritual part of reading scripture because it strengthens our relationship to the whole. So sometimes I approach the Bible, and I go to meditate, move slowly, and sometimes I'm here to study. 
And I just want to, I could go into this a lot more, but I just want to give you a couple like very easy steady tips. One is if you want, if you don't have a steady Bible, get a steady Bible. The team at the City Church can recommend a good steady Bible to you. Second, on YouTube, there's a series of videos called The Bible Project. The Bible Project. And they have an introduction to every single book of the Bible. I highly, highly recommend that before you start reading Esther or before you start reading Psalms, just slow down. And this can be your study that day. This can be your time. Just watch that five to eight minute primer video, make a few notes and let that set you up to enter into the story. And don't do it alone. Do it in community. While lots of our abiding in the word happens in like quiet places, it's really worked out in community, asking questions, wrestling with people. Don't go at it alone. The next thing we do with the scriptures we memorize. In Colossians, it talks about let God's word dwell in you richly. The author, Dallas Willard, said that scripture memorization is like the single most important spiritual discipline. I don't know if I agree with him, but I think he's making a good point. I don't know that I've got the guts to say it's the single most important, but he's got to be getting on to something there. Scripture memorization. How many people here grew up in Sunday school memorizing scripture? A lot of you. I wonder if this is something that maybe we're not emphasizing enough today. Because what happens when you, oh, I got a question. For those that raise your hand, have you been in a moment recently where something happened, like pain or celebration and something squeezed you, like life squeezed you and scripture came to mind that you memorized when you were a kid? Can I get a witness on that as well? Isn't that stunning? Isn't that stunning? This is the invitation. Let it get into your bones. Like let it get down deep. Jesus on the cross is being crucified. Do you remember what he says? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's dying for our sins on the cross. The wrath of God that was for us has been poured on him. And you know what he does? He quotes scripture that he memorized from Psalm 22. Sometimes we go, oh, Jesus just memorized scripture because he's God. No, because his mom taught him the Psalms growing up. Jesus as a kid memorized the Psalms. It's likely he knew almost all of them by heart. And so when he's in pain and he's crying out and he doesn't have the language, the scripture that he applied to memory comes out. Isn't that stunning? My uh, youth leader, Melissa, when I was a high school student, she wrote me all these cards and laminated them. And they're all scriptures. And I'd keep them in my back pocket. And throughout the day, I'd pull them out. And I'd try to remember them. And maybe there's like a dozen different scriptures. And those scriptures, more than any other scriptures, are the ones that equip me throughout the day to do spiritual warfare, to interact with lies. So I want to commend to you, as you approach the scripture, we meditate on it, we study it, we memorize it. And lastly, we pray. We pray. We pray. And this one's the newest one for me. My mentor, Daryl, he's been following Jesus for a lot longer than me. He's 75 years old. And he told me that he prays one of the Psalms every day. I mean, like read the Psalm? No, I pray a Psalm every day. And I've read the Psalms, but I've never prayed the Psalms. And he says it's just for him, it gives him language to strengthen his prayer life. And I asked him recently, is it just the Psalms? It's not just the Psalms. The whole of scripture gives us language to pray. For example, Mary breaks into song when she realizes the gift of the son that's in her. That song of praise is something we can pray. Paul breaks into prayer all the time. So here's what's interesting. As we read God's word spoken to us, we find language to respond to him in prayer. Let me just give you an example from this week. 
So I have a practice, really simple, to read one psalm and one proverb each day. Sometimes I read more scripture, sometimes just that. That's my practice. Nothing really formal about that. You might do something similar. One psalm, one proverb. And um, there's just been a lot of circumstances around me that I felt overwhelmed, almost crushed. You ever been there before? Felt like too much. Like that week someone said, hey, can I pray for you? And I said, you can, but not right now because I think I would just start crying. You know, one of those weeks? And uh, I was up early. I've been waking up really early. I think it was way too early because I couldn't sleep. I was trying to solve a problem in my head. And I was overwhelmed. And I sneak upstairs because my kids are asleep and I sneak in at creeks. I don't want to wake anyone up. And I put a little lamp on and I start drinking a little coffee. And I read Psalm 40. And uh, it gave language to my heart to pray to God what I couldn't find language for. So this was my Psalm 40 prayer last week. Can I read it to you? This is the language from the Psalms. Have mercy on me, God. Don't withhold your mercy from me, God. I feel like there are more troubles around me than I can count. My own sin is weighing me down. My heart is failing inside of me. So God, save me. Lord, come quickly, Lord. Come quick and help me. You are my help. You are my rescuer. You are my God. Do not delay. See, in Scripture, God speaks. But through Scripture, we learn to speak to God. It gives language to our soul. So when you open up the Bible, abiding in it daily, meditate on it, study it, memorize it, and then pray it back to God. Last week, my grandma passed away. And uh, I got a call before she did that invited me to come and see her. And uh, it was my mom and my dad, my grandpa, and my grandma in the room. And grandma was breathing heavy, seemed unconscious, but we began to realize when we read scripture out loud that she could hear us. And uh, as we were with her, we sang some hymns. We read scripture I read Revelation 21, like we quoted earlier, and Psalm 23. And then a few days later, she passed away. And next week, we'll do her memorial. And she died at 94, with a lot of good years to celebrate, and we're so grateful. And here's what I want you to hear this morning as we end. Today, my grandma gets to experience the promises in person that she held on to as an anchor in her life. Today, she's experienced the full freedom that the words she clinged to every day promised her. Today, she doesn't just read the words of Jesus, she hears it with his tone and voice. And most wonderfully, she gets to be with Jesus, the hero of scripture, the one the whole book is pointing to. And we're all invited to that hope and that certainty. So I want to pray for us. If you're comfortable, would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that you don't have that certainty or hope for tomorrow or know what it is to walk with him today in that personal way, 
If that's you and you would like to become a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to pray after me. But I just want to know if that's you. Everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bound. If you're here and you're saying, I want to become a Christian today, I'm not sure that I have a saving relationship with Jesus. I don't know Jesus in the way you've described. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. I'll give you the words to pray just from your seat. But if that's you, would you just shoot up your hand? Just really quick, shoot up your hand because I want to pray for you. Is anyone here saying, today I want to give my life to Jesus? I'm just looking around the room. I'm looking around the room. Is there anyone? Okay. Okay, here are the words I want to invite you to pray. If you're here today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you can pray these words after me. Say, Jesus, today I put my trust in you. I believe that you are the highest authority, that you are God, that on the cross you died for my sins, gave me a new future, a new hope. Forgive my sins, come and live in my life, fill my heart with your spirit. I want to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. And let me just pray for us. God, thank you so much for this conversation today. I pray where there's lies, you would break them. God, where we're living in a story that's hopeless, would you suck us into your story that's full of hope and resurrection life? And would you help us encounter you? And God, I pray you would make us a people who abide, remain, lean in to your word. And that it would strengthen us, nourish us, and connect us deeply with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't that so good? Actually, let's all stand as we get into some worship again. But before we sing this song, I just kind of feel that uh, probably if you're kind of going through what our team is going through, maybe you just feel like God is stirring something in your heart, just some things to be thinking of. And I feel like uh, let's just give space for God to continue to speak to us um, today. Personally, I just feel like um, a challenge to like recommit my heart again to truly just like follow the way that Jesus has set before us. So Father, right now we just rest in you. Just take a moment to pause and to listen. I thank you for what you're drawing up in our hearts, for things that you're stirring up.
so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful for the spirit of God. And I'm so thankful they agree. Amen. It's such a great way to finish our series, just to remind ourselves we spend time with the word of God, that the Holy Spirit is there with us, teaching us, transforming us, sending us to Jesus. Thank God. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Hey, if that was you this morning and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time or rededicated your life to Christ, there is a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. We would ask that you take that connect card, check off the appropriate box. And we actually have some materials that will help you. This is a one-time decision, but Jesus has all called us all to be disciples. And the materials that we're gonna give you that will help you on that journey of discipleship. Or also, if you're here this morning for the very first time, we wanna give you a special welcome today to the City Church. We would ask that you just take that same connect card, check off the appropriate box. And we actually have a gift that we would love to give to you today just to say thank you for being here today. Um, Also, if you came to church this morning hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, some of our church leaders will be up here at the front of the stage immediately after service. And they will be happy to pray with you about any situation, any circumstance. And they're coming up to the front right now. Well, thank you so much for coming to church today. And thank you again, Pastor Jason, for finishing off our series. Such a great job this morning. Well, I I guess a few of you are going home to watch soccer. (laughs) And we're going to be kicking off Christmas next Sunday. Christmas in the city is going to be such a great time all throughout December, celebrating the advent of Jesus coming to the earth. Have a great afternoon. You are dismissed.